Enter the creative world of Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge from the industry's best. Fjord is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Tim Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjord. And today on our show, we will be talking with Rich Canava about his marketing and creative agency, the CSI Group. Welcome to the show, Rich. Hey, thanks, Tim. Appreciate uh, you having me on today. You bet. Glad you could be here. So, Rich, can you tell us a little bit about the CSI Group? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, the CSI Group, we are a uh, marketing and creative agency. Uh, we're located about 15 miles, uh, just a bit north of Manhattan in the great state of New Jersey. Um, and we do a lot of work for some pretty big brands. Um, Citizen Watch is a big client of ours. Uh, Konica Minolta and Benjamin Moore are also some other big names uh, that we do a lot of creative and branding and marketing work for. Um, so yeah, that's our story. Very cool. And you are the president of the CSI Group? That is correct. And tell us a little bit about your, your journey, your career journey. How did, you, how did you land as the president of the CSI Group? Yeah, so um, I graduated from Rochester Institute of Technology in 2004 with a BFA in New Media Design, um, and I had a concentration in film and video. And I started here in 2005 as a video editor, and I'd say I did that for a handful of years, and and then I was eventually uh, made a producer, and I was producing and editing videos at that point. Um, from there, I moved on to uh, the executive producer, which was uh, running the video department. And from there, onto the executive team, which kind of had like a dual role of, of running the video department as well as helping to run the agency from a financial and operational perspective. Um, and it was probably about two or three years into that that I kind of saw the opportunity to potentially. Uh, purchase and run the agency fully and make it my uh, career trajectory, livelihood, whatever you want to say. Uh, and so that's where I'm at now. So can you talk a little bit about the um, the transition you went through um, moving from the creative team to the executive team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd say it's one that's still ongoing um, as being a creative is kind of something I love to do and is in my blood. So even as someone who's now running the agency on a day-to-day basis, I still uh, get to pick and choose some of the projects I like to be involved in from a creative standpoint and kind of flex that muscle. Um, In terms of the transition, uh, I had to slowly remove myself from the creative operations. So it took a good amount of vetting the right people to fill roles that were opening up as I left. So for instance, I I was running the video department at the time that I was transitioning to become the president. Uh, I promoted who a woman who at the time was my senior producer to run that department and then had to hire somebody for her role um, as well as bring on another editor to help fill the void that she would be leaving uh, as she moved up the chain as well. So it was a little bit of, hiring from an operational standpoint and you know trying to leave the department how it was at, when I was there you know no holes uh, 
and uh, and then little by little I've been learning on on the job really on how to run the agency you learn something new every month totally. so uh, that's a whole other game did you find it difficult to let go of the um, the creative part the creative aspect yeah absolutely uh, you know as I was saying too I, I feel like I, I'll never fully let it go um, so it's yeah very difficult to let go of and what what actions did you take what did you do to help with that transition of letting go aside from you know filling the role and assigning someone else the responsibilities how about for you personally yeah that's a really great question I, I think what I've been learning to do over the last two to three years is um, to find other outlets in my life to express creativity um, I happen to love to to cook and I like photography as well uh, so I try and use these two, let's just say mediums, as a creative outlet. Uh, since I'm not involved in you know the creative process every day or on a, on a daily basis, um, and I also will find projects here at you know the CSI group that I can you know kind of insert myself and be part of the brainstorming and the creative process that we go through whether it be storyboarding and style frames art direction whatever it is that I can uh, I can still take part in so that I keep that as I said earlier keep that muscle uh, intact keep it you know malleable and uh, not let it kind of go to waste so if I hear you right that um, the agency to you is kind of a creative outlet and you're, you're still using it that way but also finding other ways to express your creativity. Yeah, absolutely. That sure. is right. Got it. Um, so what is it about you specifically, Rich, that um, you think makes you a, a good person to run an agency? Well, I think anybody in a leadership role should really understand their strengths and weaknesses all together and then you know try and plug your weaknesses with people who are you know smarter than you in those areas so you kind of round out your team uh, because you can't do it alone so um, I guess what I'm getting at is I, I do consider myself someone who has a high emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and I'm good with people I'm, I'm, I'm perceptive so I try to manage that way and I also understand that um, there are people out there that can uh, work with the accounts a little bit better, that are a little bit more diligent and organized from an operational perspective. So I've tried to bring some of those people onto my leadership team and allow them to do what they're great at uh, while I try and continue to do what I feel I'm great at. And it's been uh, a winning formula for the CSI group so far. I've got to imagine it's it's unnatural to hire people who are naturally good at things other than you are but of course you know it totally makes sense um i'm wondering how do you go about finding people that you can work with but have different strengths than you yeah so i mean i guess we're kind of talking about the hiring process and um either that or finding somebody within you know your agency or your workplace that possesses the necessary skills that can be uh, honed or you can train them uh, if you feel as though they have uh, the right abilities to fit 
the role. So what we do here at the CSI group is um, we create a organizational chart where we strip away all the names of all the people and we created an organizational chart based on just the roles and we gave every role you know a handful of responsibilities uh, that they would have to uh, take on and, and execute and then we tried to then look at everybody's skill set and plug them into those roles and and there were a few roles that we didn't have the right person to put into that role so then we would go out and try and find them and uh, pretty diligent in the hiring process um, you know in, in staying focused on the actual role that needs to be filled and, and we ask for referrals from people and we do all the same thing everyone else does you know put put an ad out on indeed um, you know let everyone in the office know we're hiring people and, and uh, get as many solid candidates in as possible and then during the interview process the first interview is all about cultural fit making sure that they're a good fit for our organization that they're a good person in general that they enjoy a good laugh uh, things like that that they kind of fit our core values and then uh, the people who come back for the second interview it's it's more of a test where we give them things to execute on uh, to see if they can actually do uh, what they say they can do and um, and from there you know they get a, a 90 day trial to come here and work at, at CSI and if it works out and we've got the right person then uh, we're good to go if not we go back to the drawing board do you um, do you do tests for every role that you hire um, it's a good question. I would say now we do. Um, over the last couple of years, we've begun taking the hiring process and the onboarding process extremely seriously. Uh, we've set some guidelines and created some documentation around the processes themselves so that we don't skip any steps. And yeah, th those tests will look different for each role, obviously. Um, if it's a marketing or strategy role, you can imagine that being a lot more involved than somebody who might be in a project management role. Uh, but they are all indeed tested to some standard. Got it. Um, so let's move on to a little bit about CSI. So um, what is it that CSI does really well? Yeah, so CSI was originally um, started back in the early 90s as a company that produced slides for those old like kind of Rolodex projectors that people used to do their presentations on. Yep. Um, and they literally, uh, this is before my time, CSI used to do the creative for those slides. So it started as a graphic design and production company. And it from there kind of progressed to a traditional marketing and creative agency and then we brought in video in-house in the early 2000s by 2010 we had started to do some more elevated branding work some more thinking work and then in the last three to four years we've been doing a lot more marketing work so I would say that because our roots are in the creative process we are very good at helping brands tell their story um, digital storytelling these days which is kind of a buzzword, if you will, uh, happen to be very good at that and considering context and intent. So 
where the message is going to be displayed contextually and how the person receiving it, uh, what is their kind of psychology at, at any given moment and how will that story be received when considering those two. So we're actually very good at understanding all those things to make sure that our clients can provide uh, messaging that resonates and create some brand loyalty. So would you say that that's, that's something that has followed along your strengths, the strengths of the agency um, kind of follow your strengths or is it is it much bigger than that? No, I think it's bigger than that. You know, I think um, we're 24 people. You know, I'm just one of them. Um, I make sure that everybody from a top level is is doing what they need to be doing. But, uh, you know, as I'm sure you can attest to, Tim, uh, it's all about the people that you have. So it's definitely bigger than me. Um, I can't be everywhere at once. So uh, got to put some trust in some people and, and let them make some mistakes and also let them succeed. Totally. Um, you mentioned earlier that you work with some rather large brands. Um, where? What is it about your agency that those brands are are finding um, that causes them to want or need to engage? Yeah, I think you know when when we're pitching new business, one of our key differentiators is the, is our client retention, and and I think that the reason our clients enjoy working with us and stay with us is because of our reliability and our our focus. You know, we um, we come through for our clients. And they 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 can trust us, and they can uh, you know they they appreciate that when we're given a deadline and a job to do, that it gets done on time. And you know, nobody bats a thousand, but for the most part, we're exceeding their expectations uh, day in and day out. So they 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 appreciate that, and, and it keeps them on board. How do you create a culture that um, that consistently exceeds expectations? Oh wow, <clears throat> that's a tough one. I would say I provide a lot of flexibility. I'm not. A, I don't rule with an iron fist. I like to give people, you know, a work-life balance, if they, if you will. And there's there's late nights, of course, and then there's also, you know, days where people can take some time to themselves and they need to manage that on their own and uh, I guess I guess what I'm getting at is you know creating a culture a company culture is something that takes quite a bit of time and, and I think that comes from how you treat people uh, and I've always found that if you treat people with respect you provide them with the, an ability to create a life that they're happy with that they will put more time in and do better work and provide our clients with better work as well so it's kind of uh, it's a challenge every day uh, to create a company culture that does that but it's definitely a focus of ours that's so it's so important to to maintain that culture to ma maintain that you know everybody working for working for a common purpose, whatever it is. Um, I'm curious, uh, just to, to change directions a little bit here, um, where do you think that the work that you do, you do um, you know, creative and marketing are going, in your opinion? 
Yeah, so um, I would say that creative, I'm hoping, is kind of having a, a resurgence. It, it has come some, become somewhat commoditized in the last handful of years um, where a lot of clients will bring in a couple of graphic designers or a production artists and uh, everybody's just churning out work to feed the massive funnel that is, you know, social media and programmatic and now video and um, all the different places where they want to put their brand and it became like, well, we just need content. So there was this uh, kind of you know, bastardization, if you will, of, of creative. Um, and I think that that's changing now and, and it's kind of swinging back where people are seeing how important it is for, I should say marketers are seeing how important it is for their brands to tell authentic stories and to show that they're making a difference uh, socially as well as from a materialistic standpoint, you know, in terms of if they're selling a product or a service, how is that product or service beneficial to the world these days? There's a lot more focus on those types of things. So it's becoming very important that from a creative standpoint, the messaging and the brand story is something that will resonate and feel good to their consumers. Um, and then of course that flushes through marketing as well. Like where, where, where is your your messaging showing up you know and and are we using people's data in a way that is ethical and things like that so um you know these are the types of things that a lot of our clients are starting to know that they need to be doing and we're helping them do that as you're pointing out that that word that you use authenticity which comes up a lot um <laughs> means so many different things to so many different people. Um, I'm curious if you're um, a person or a brand, how do you know if you're being authentic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when it comes to our clients, because that's an easier one to speak about, right? So when we go in and we're looking to tell certain, uh, we'll call them brand stories or uh, authentic stories within our client's brand it a lot of it goes back to that culture as well and and going looking at their company culture and, and finding things that um, these companies do that is real to them you know um, what is it that makes a brand differentiate what is their unique point of view you know, how do they go about their business, whether from an operational standpoint, whether they're trying to drive culture, uh, whether they're trying to provide products to their consumers in, in a different way or with a different perspective. And, you know, what actually is real? Because it has to be that that bit needs to be authentic for you to amplify those authentic messages and stories out to the consumer. Uh, it can't be faked and it can't be phony because people see right through it these days. So it really does start with a deep look at the company itself. Um, uh, for instance, um, we recently got brought on to do some work for a pharmaceutical client that uh, it was some social media stuff and some content marketing and we were looking to tell some of these authentic stories and as we dug in with some of their executive team and some of the people on their marketing team, we discovered that they were um, 
one of their, we'll call it their, their drugs, one of their uh, things that they help people with is our, our, our cancer patients. And they have this entire program where they were providing food to families whose mother or father had a chemo treatment on any given day. So when they came home, they wouldn't have to worry about making dinner. Um, as you can imagine, if you've known anyone who's gone through chemotherapy, it's, it's quite brutal. And, um, you know, we just found this little thing that they were doing and it was a real thing. It was like, there was a lot of advocacy around it. So, uh, we're working with them now to figure out how to kind of tell that story. Um, interesting. I guess one, one way to know you're being authentic is when you're explicitly not trying to get publicity for something you're doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. That's well said. Let's move on to um, a couple stories from your from your blog here. The first one, uh, five pivotal video marketing trends brands can't afford to ignore. Uh, Rich, can you can you share with us what the five trends are? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first one is actually around what we were just talking about, which is that you know consumers are craving authenticity. So it's really just extremely important that you find these authentic stories and video is obviously a wonderful medium to tell them. Uh, secondly, it's about you know the video marketing in general um, and using that as a way to take a stand even if it's controversial. Um, the example we gave was the, uh, the Colin Kaepernick Nike spot that came out. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it, I'd suggest you either Google it or you can head over to our blog and take a look. But, um, you know, using video marketing as a way to say this is what we believe in, like Nike did that during the spot with Colin Kaepernick, who was saying to, to dream big, even if it costs you your job, you know, um, that's something that that brand truly believes in It's an authentic message. So they use their video marketing strategy as a way to, to do that. Uh, the third one is becoming uh, more interactive, um, you know, with 360 video, virtual reality, augmented reality. Um, this is becoming more and more feasible in terms from a cost perspective to produce these types of videos. So you're seeing a lot of brands kind of jump in into that and uh, seeing a lot of success. And obviously everything interactive is better these days. People um, always want to kind of be involved from more than just a viewing perspective. So if you can bring them in using 360 AR and VR, uh, we're seeing a lot of, of brands uh, taking advantage of that. And, and the last thing was around branded video shorts, um, creating these kind of short form films or promotional spots that are, are branded. So um, we just finished a project with uh, a company called Janovic, they're the largest reseller of Benjamin Moore paint in the country and uh, we did a whole branded documentary about how they uh, work with local uh, colleges, art schools in New York to, um, to kind of work with their students and, and create advocacy that way uh, for people who will most likely be staying in New York and are into the arts. So what, what better synergy than like paint color, expressing yourself, and to work with art students that are local. So we created a branded uh, documentary for them that uh, doesn't overtly plug the brand, but the, the brand is there throughout. So it very much feels 
um, how do I say, very much is, uh, it's holistic and, and subconscious almost, the advertising. Totally. Um, you met, through one of those, you mentioned um, the cost of 360 video, VR and AR has, has gone down dramatically. I'm curious, what does it take for a brand to, to use those technologies well? Yeah, I mean, there are, you can even go to, uh, GoPro has 360 camera, um, and there's even a lot of smartphones now that, that can start to record these things. There's different lenses you can put on some of the smaller uh, point-and-click cameras that are out there that allow you to record 360. Um, I would say the most difficult thing to overcome is making sure you're using the 360 medium to tell the right story. Um, I wouldn't suggest just grabbing the new Go, the you know the GoPro, the 360 camera, and and just shooting something and throwing it on your YouTube channel. As much as um, saying, okay, well, what type of story can we tell that would require some interactivity? Um, something that's going to be powerful. I think the story we put on our blog is is one that the New York Times uh, used to talk about people who are displaced um, in the world from natural disasters. And you kind of get a glimpse as to who that person is and then you see what happened to them in their home. And as you click around and you look through the 360 video, you get to see the kind of destruction that is their current life. Um, so it's really powerful and it's a really good use of the medium. So. Um, the most important thing from my perspective and in my opinion would be to make sure that the story you're telling would require such a, a thing and, and not just do it for the sake of doing it. Totally. Um, let's move on to our second story here today also from your blog. Um, it's titled, Do the Right Thing Using Data for Good, Not Evil. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's almost just that, right? Um, and that you're know, seeing everything these days, like with, with Facebook and um, everything that happened with Cambridge Analytica, and you know, people are really hyper conscious as to how their data is being used. And um, with the advent of, of voice marketing, that's beginning to take a stronghold on the marketing landscape. Um, people are feeling as though their privacy is being invaded. Uh, yet. You're, you're downloading apps and you're not reading through the fine print and you're opting in to providing your information. So um, I think it's important that brands and, and agencies like, like ours, um, that we make the decision to use that data ethically um, and to not use it in a way that, you know, just, just to increase our metrics or make our campaigns look better or to even even if it drives sales, you know, even if that's the end goal, and you can and you can do that, I still think we need to approach using all this information in a more ethical way. So that entire post is indeed about that. I tend to agree that the um, the agreeing to a, a, a long legal document to use a, a software doesn't necessarily. Um, isn't necessarily the same thing as consent to to use all your data, even if it says it within the document. It's well established that most people do not read that kind of thing. I'm curious, do you put any of the onus on the consumer or the end user as far as maintaining um, or keeping hold of their own data? Hmm. I would say that the onus that I would put on the end consumer would be to just understand that it's being used, 
right? So, right. you know, we all, uh, it's very difficult. It would be very difficult to stop it, right? And you can put ad blockers on your web browser and, and, and you can not allow certain apps to ac access your microphone if, you know, if you took the time to go into your settings and you did that. Um, but the, uh, for instance, some, even these smart home devices like Alexa, I mean, without it being allowed to listen to you, it doesn't function, right? So the, the onus on you is just to understand that when you bring these things into your home, it, they're going to be used to target you with marketing and with ads. So um, as you begin to talk about things like uh, dog food, I wouldn't be surprised to see ads for dog food show up in your web browser. Um, so, you know, understand these things are happening so that you can make better decisions. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and that's it for today on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast. We are out of time. Thank you for joining us today, Rich. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Appreciate We're glad you could be here. Uh, when can, where can people find you online? Uh, you can go to our website at uh, www.thecsigroup.com uh, or you can reach out uh, on my email at uh, rich.canava, C-A-N-N-A-V-A, at thecsigroup.com. Perfect. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. You can download episodes of the program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mindyourownmarketingbusiness or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio.